Hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast, where we chat all things leadership and personal development related, absolutely authentically and unscripted. On this podcast, my guests and I are going to introduce you to ideas and concepts that show how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage and motivate you on your journey to becoming a legendary leader yourself with more impact, influence and inspiration. So, are you ready for it? Welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm your host of the show. Today we have another legendary leader as a guest here with us. Her name is Sarah Safari and she is originally from Iran, moved to the States uh, around 18 years ago. And she's the first Iranian in history to climb the seven summits, the seven highest peaks in each continent. That is pretty incredible, isn't it? I have chosen her as a legendary leader for this reason, but for many other reasons, in particular, as her key motivation is to support and empower women in Nepal and really help them to, you know, get out of their traps of being trafficked into other countries, being forced into prostitution, not receiving any education, being abused at home and by the people who traffic those girls back and forth. It's a really, really horrible story and it requires attention, it requires our knowledge and it requires our help. The second thing we are talking about as well is actually one dramatic experience that Sarah has experienced a few years ago in 2015 when the big earthquake hit Mount Everest and hit Nepal and she was right in the middle of hiking Mount Everest, which is incredible she literally saw death in the eyes and thought that is the end but she survived and she survived for good reasons she's going to share her story about that with us and now it had changed her few her activities to support nepalian girls and what she is really doing nowadays to support in this virtual space and women across the globe really what her next adventure is going to have in for us and for her and she does that in such a beautiful way, uh, such an authentic way. It really gave me goosebumps a few times. So do enjoy the episode as always. I hope you take a lot away from it. Small steps that you can put in place for yourself, even if it's simply to say, I'm going to support these girls as well. I want to do something for them, whatever it is. Leave a review with us as always, right? We live uh, from your refuse five stars would be fantastic but most importantly i'd love to have your feedback in terms of the topics you love hearing about but also the topics you would like to hear more of so without further ado we move right into this week's episode have fun enjoy i speak to you in a moment so here we go as i said i have another legendary leader here with me today sarah hello hi hi how are you doing I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. I was just working out, so I have lots of energy right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. My day is coming to an end. Sarah, as you know, is right in the middle slash beginning. So here we go. But I have a bit of energy for you as well, because simply your biography, your life is full of energy. And obviously, I familiarized myself a little bit more with it uh, ahead of this recording today. So I feel quite energetic as well. And I can't wait for you to share your story with the audience. 
So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so what I always wonder with you is how your story kind of came together, right? This Iranian woman moving to the States about 18 years ago, stepping into engineering, electrical engineering even, and then moving from engineering to teaching. And ending up supporting and empowering women in Nepal, in Iran, and I'm sure there are far more women you are going to support going forward and climbing the biggest summits in the world. Tell us about your journey, how one thing came to the other and how you drove it as well. I think the beauty of my journey is that I never planned it this way and I was just open to new opportunities and whatever was on my way that would inspire me. So, and whenever I didn't have any ideas of what to do next, I would go to others for some advice and recommendation and suggestion. So I guess Electrical engineering was just because my dad was an engineer and I was always good in math and physics. And, you know, growing up in Iran, most of the kids, they don't have much options. Like the parents usually give them two options, three options, doctor, engineer, maybe a lawyer. And I was so shy that my parents knew I wouldn't be a very good lawyer. And I was so scared of blood that Again, my parents knew I'm not going to be a good doctor. So then they said, well, you only have one option in your life that you can study and you can find a job and you can be someone. So I only had one option in my life. That's where engineering is coming from. And I was such a shy, introverted person that I always thought that's perfect. I'm going to be working with things, not human beings, because I'm so shy. I cannot even talk with human beings. So let me just be in my own shell, behind my laptop, only deal with computers and stuff, not people, because I didn't know how to deal with that. I had such a low self-confidence. And back then, I had no idea that I have a self-confidence. I had no idea there is such a thing called self-confidence. Mm. So this journey, the way it seems like it's so together and it looks so beautiful at this point, it was just my search to find my way of living a fulfilled life. And in my search, it happened that I realized by sharing my story with the rest of the world by helping marginalized people, kids, girls around the world. That way I can live a happy, satisfied life. Because every single one of us, every single human being at the end, they want to live a happy, satisfied life. So that was my search. This was just part of my search mm. and trying to find myself, trying to learn about myself and other human beings and life and why are we here? And I'm still searching. I don't think I fully have it. I have some answers, but it might change tomorrow. It might change next year. I'm kind of not so attached to my answers and to my results. And whatever happens, we'll see. I don't know. This is just halfway. <laughs> So you mentioned you were such a shy girl when you started studying, right? Um, mm -hmm. And nowadays you work with women in particular across the globe, I want to say. You talk to them regularly, you help them, coach them. 
you when you climb a mountain then you have a team around you communication is key when you do that and you know especially on those very very dangerous tracks so what has shifted with regards to introversion you being very shy to you being more outgoing i grew up <laughs> i learned new skills i was always open for challenges and learning new skills mm. so i took classes i participated in meetings seminars conferences to learn communication skills leadership skills and you know i grew up learning to be passive learning to only follow instructions yeah and when i moved to the united states i realized this is not the way of living i'm not going to be able to make a difference in the world if i continue being passive and quiet and invisible with low self confidence and little by little first i had to convince myself that i am worthy of it and started loving myself and the ideas it's a kind of starting valuing Uh, what I can bring to the world as a person, you know, and I think this is very valuable for every single person to realize this. Because the moment that you realize that this is so important to share your story with the rest of the world, mm -hmm. and each one of us we have a very unique, interesting story. Yeah. It might seem like a normal story for us, but for other people, it might be inspiring. It might be helpful. So when I published my book. And I wrote so many things, so many stories that I didn't want to share with anybody. But I, I wrote it in my book because I wanted to be an inspiring book. And in the process of writing the book, I deleted those chapters like ten times and rewrote them. But you know what? When the book was published and those secrets were out in public and everybody could read it in the whole world, that's when I. accepted myself and my story and I started valuing it and then i realized now it is out there now i have to live with this so now i need to upgrade myself i have to develop myself to be in a place mm -hmm. to confidently say this is my story this is what happened before and and that's okay and we can move on life goes on I can make a difference I can change I can I can change whatever it's for me to change or not and just be with it and stay happy. So that was when I the shift really happened when I published my book. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, I can well resonate with your story to live a more passive life where you're being told as you described before and with your parents, right? What would be the best way for you to go? My parents kept saying to me, yeah, do an apprenticeship. You know, then you are being safe, you earn money and you can prepare for your safe career. But I, I completely had no idea how to actually understand what I wanted and how to find out about that because you have mm -hmm. just followed, you were pacifist, you said. So it's something that, yeah, uh, reminds me of my own background a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is like a lot of, no, we don't know where we want to go. as we are growing up as we are developing skills as we get to know ourselves better the world around ourselves and figure out what really inspires us moves us how we can make a difference that that's when we change routes and 
like to younger people, to your audience who are younger, I want to tell them they don't have to figure everything out right when they come out of high school or to college. Life changes, you grow up, you might change directions 10 times during your lifetime. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all the answers right now. Just to start from somewhere, somewhere that you just a little bit, you think you like it, you are passionate about it. And then maybe in five years, you change your route. That's totally okay. But you have that skill in your pocket that you can use later. You know, I'm not doing engineering much right now. My bachelor's and master's is in electrical engineering, but I'm not using them as much. Like I'm not using the degree, but what I'm really using is all the problem solving skills that I learned. Mm. I use it in my daily life in when I'm giving the speech, uh, when I'm traveling, when I'm climbing a mountain. So you don't have to have all the answers. Just no. to start from somewhere. Start from some little thing that you're passionate about. And I think so far this year has taught us that even if you have all the answers or you believe you have all the answers, then life changes it for you. Um, so flexibility exactly. and resourcefulness is absolutely key, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, this pandemic had orchids and onions it has positives and negatives and even though it was very devastating for a lot of people a lot of people lost their job and you know had economic problems all over the world and a lot of people lost their loved ones but at the same time we really realized the power of just being able to have this perspective towards life we could really see how until this moment we were living in uncertainty and we had this illusion of everything is so sound and perfect and in one second like the whole world turned upside down and people who were working on themselves they had this retrospective view of life that everything is it's uncertain like at any moment something can go wrong even when we are driving even when you know we are flying uh, just go for a walk outside and if we, we think about it really what really remains at the end is that if you build your life somehow that is based on your value system based on the things that you really care about nothing really can move it because it's those are feelings and feelings can be developed from inside you know a lot of people want to get have access to a lot of money to have a big house to feel secure but that feeling of security is just a feeling it's a way of being you can create that way of being and go then go towards your goal and that this pandemic really like if people really had the time to sit down and meditate on it i think it was very eye-opening for a lot of people oh absolutely 100 percent. so what i'm very curious about is how did you get to climb your own mountains so because you, you have never climbed a mountain until you really came to the states and progressed a little bit forward right so what what yeah. happened there that you said yes now i'm going to approach the biggest summits in the world so if people who are going to hear my Everest story right now want a good visual on what I'm going to say, they can watch my TEDx talk in Paris, which is uh, kind of I explain everything. But 
it was a very beautiful journey. At the beginning, I just wanted to climb Mount Everest for myself. And it happened very randomly. I was in a seminar and the leader of the seminar said, come up with a project so big and huge beyond yourself, something impossible. And somebody behind me was talking about Everest and I heard the word Everest and I thought, perfect, I'm going to go climb Mount Everest. And I had zero experience, no hiking boots, never climbed before. I don't have anybody in my family or extended family who have Mm. ever hiked a little hill. And it was just so, so out of my comfort. And I didn't even know who to go to for that. But I was excited because it was an impossible project. It was something that I knew I'm not capable of doing it. But I was just following instructions again. The leader said, do this. I was just doing it because I trust them that they said, if you do this, then it takes your life to the next level. And I was ready. I was so ready to take my life to the next level. I was just tired of daily things, like normal things and routine. I just wanted to do something very different. I wanted to really challenge myself and see where is the edge of Sarah? What is the end of Sarah? Like, where is the place that is the end of me? And that's when I totally quit. I wanted to reach my end. And I just, I was excited. I went home. I Googled how to climb Everest. I found a company and a bunch of few mountains I climbed. I never made it to the top of any of them. And I decided to quit mountain climbing completely. And then I met the founder of organization Empower Nepali Girls. And he told me how the girls become victims of human trafficking or forced to get married at an early age. And I just couldn't go back to my normal life knowing this is happening on the other side of the planet. And I promised that I raise $1 per foot of Everest or any mountain that I climb. And finally, I I climbed so many mountains and I trained and I trained. And finally, I was ready to climb Everest. And when I was climbing Mount Everest, there was a 7.8 earthquake. Yeah. yeah. And that was extremely devastating. Uh, it, it was a very scary experience, very traumatizing experience. But then it was such a great learning experience for me. And that's when I, when I survived it. That was when I totally, completely decided to dedicate my life to women's empowerment because I couldn't believe that I survived such a thing. So I couldn't go back to my normal life. I just thought the reason I survived it, I have to stay here for something. I, there's a purpose out there for me. There's something for me out there to do. And, and that's when I decided to fully do everything, connect with more organizations, do the seven summits and, and all that. That's incredible. You know, a lot of people would understandably leave Everest or be rescued with a lot of trauma in their backs. They would probably not dare to attempt any more challenges that way. Um, And you said, no, this is a sign. Now I have to do more. So before we dive into the more and what came next, Talk us through this experience, which is, for me, it sounds traumatizing. You're climbing up one of the most dangerous parts of Everest at this point of time. The earthquake hits. 
and then I think you were rescued after a week up there. Yeah. So talk us through what, what happened to you there, where you found support, um, and how, what and who got you through this period of time until rescue. Um, so when the earthquake, it takes 60 days to climb Everest. And it was day 25 when the earthquake happened. Mm. So we were at 20,000 feet, 6,000 meters when the earthquake happened. I was on the top of a ladder. There was five ladders connected to each other. And I was on the top of the fifth ladder when the whole wall started shaking left and right. And I'm not exaggerating. Uh, this is a podcast, so people are not seeing me moving left and right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you nicely visualized it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then uh, the, everything started shaking. Uh, the scariest thing was the noises because there were towers of ice, like pieces of ice the size of a car tumbling down the mountain. This Kumbu icefall is the most unstable part of Everest. And even without a 7.8 earthquake, this is the most dangerous part. So a lot of people avoid this part of the Everest and climb from the north side, from China, just because Kumbu is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Even without the earthquake, there are avalanches. So now add a 7.8 earthquake to, to these ice towers, ice buildings that are hanging 45 degrees and there are like 50 ladders across crevasses that uh, you cannot even see the bottom of the crevasse so when you're crossing ladders over the crevasses at any moment you can just fall into them again without a 7.8 earthquake they are yeah. very dangerous so now add a 7.8 earthquake everything is shaking and moving and breaking down with all those 50 ladders across the mountain and so it, the, the fact that I was on a wall, like imagine I could be just standing on a solid piece of ice and snow, but I'm on a wall. And the wall has five ladders, not just one, five ladders. And I'm on top of the fifth ladder, which just, just these are like all these factors. If you add them up, the chance of surviving this should be 0.00000. Mm. And then there was avalanches there were avalanches from all the other side of the mountain so i thought i'm in the route of the avalanche because i could see snow is building up on me and then the noises were so scary like you're standing on a runway and the plane the commercial plane is uh, taking off it was so loud like a jet rocket engine you know and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't breathe. I was gasping for air. My heart rate was to the roof. And I was so scared. I just, I thought, this is it. I'm going to die. The avalanche is coming. Probably it's going to hit me. I'm going to fall down the wall into a crevasse. Nobody can ever find my body. And I'm going to be buried alive. And that was it. I was just extremely scared. I tried to do everything that I could think of. There was a, an anchor that I clipped myself to the anchor and I clipped myself twice because I thought, this is it, the avalanche is coming. I need to somehow keep myself here. I wrapped the rope around my arms. I kicked my feet to the ice to fix myself with my crampons. I did anything that came to my mind, but at one point I was 100% sure 
this is it. There's no way to survive this. And this is the end. And like movies, I could see my whole life right in front of me. You know, the earthquake wasn't that long. I guess I really don't know how long was it. I would always say two minutes. I don't know. But plus the aftershocks and avalanche and everything else. But for me, it was a long time. I saw my whole life and I saw the future, how my parents are grieving and mourning for such a long time and, and all that. And then everything stopped. Uh, the rest of the team came up the wall and we gathered up, but we had to continue up because we couldn't go back down. It was not safe for us to go down. So we continued up and then a helicopter two days after brought us to the base camp. And then five days after we went to a village and then village by village, we finally, after eight days, we went back to Kathmandu. But the whole time was, again, very scary because there were aftershocks and avalanches. And at any moment, any of those things could have a negative impact. Wow. Yeah. Um, kind of want to give this a few seconds just to take a deep breath. When you share the story, I could really, really picture you being there and those sensations and the fear and what astonished me, however, was how our brain and our body still work together. You know, all the actions you took, wrapping the rope around you and so on and so forth. And that in a position of panic. And, and I find it incredible that our body goes into survival mode right away. Yeah. But yet you, you come back, you see the devastation of the earthquake. People mm -hmm. passed away. People lost their homes school's gone which would have a huge huge impact on me and my thinking about my life and what I can do what was it like for you I when we arrived in Kathmandu I had the, the scenery that I saw again the pictures are available in my social media but you guys had to scroll down or maybe you can post some of these pictures on the podcast sure. page Well, if that's if that's possible, but they, the the scene that what I saw like all these rubbles and the buildings are breaking down. Ten thousand people died. I was extremely angry because I just raised money for the girls to continue their education, mm. but now they don't even have a home. They don't even have a school. They they I don't even know at that point if they're alive or not. Mm. And they don't have basic things: water, food. Who cares about education at that point? And they were more at risk because that's a perfect time for traffickers to go to their family and say, well, you know what? I'll take your daughter to this other country to work in a kitchen, but they end up in brothels. Mm -hmm. So I was extremely worried, angry, scared. I didn't know what to do. And I felt guilty of survival, you know, like the way I survived that earthquake and so many people died. I was just like, my emotions are all over the place. But then I went and I found some of the girls and I started like helping them by buying food and stuff. At the beginning, most of the stores were closed. So I just went to these regular grocery shops and they only had chips and chocolate. So I bought and all the chips and chocolate that I could with, there was only one blanket store open. I bought all their blankets and I took them to the girls. 
so that they have a place to sleep and something to eat. It was really hard. It was, you know, for for the longest time, I I had dreams. I had so many dreams about them and the earthquake and how we all survived that. That's again another reason I wrote the book because that was my way of healing, just writing and writing and writing all my emotions out, uh, all my, my heart out. I just had to write to be able to get over what I experienced, what I saw. Stories of the girls, their life and up to that point. And it was just very traumatizing experience, but then I couldn't stay there. I couldn't think that this is the end of the whole thing that I just created. And I didn't want to teach the girls to quit. I didn't want to teach them to give up. Like life gives you lemon, quit just to stop. So I announced again that I'm going to go back and climb Everest again. But not just Everest. I'm going to add six more mountains on top of it. Uh, the seven summits on seven continents, the highest peaks on seven continents. And not just for Nepali girls, I'm going to add six more organizations. So seven summits for seven organizations who are empowering women. And until now, I've climbed six out of seven. And guess what's number seven? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have given it a really fair shot in all honesty, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure other people would have given up right away. <laughs> It's incredible. I, it still makes me laugh what you said beforehand. I googled how to climb a mountain. I mean, come on. So I googled how to fix my iPhone. Right? It's, it's not quite the same. And you just, you just do it. You just tackle it. It's unbelievable. I find it highly, highly, highly inspirational. I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It inspires myself too when I think about it. And like, you know, the days that I start complaining about the traffic and the weather and this neighbor, and then I remember the whole process. And I'm like, okay, stop complaining. There, there's so much bigger things that uh, you need to dedicate your life to. Don't waste your energy on the traffic and the neighbor and the weather. We often just need to be really aware of this and remind of our, uh, us of the good situation we find ourselves in despite those challenging times right but mm -hmm. we improve our heads we mm -hmm. have eating we have flowing water and so on and so forth exactly. exactly one of my friends called me a month into the pandemic and she's like how are you doing i was worried about you i'm like you know as long as it's above negative 40 degrees and i have a restroom and a pillow i think i can survive this one because i've been you know, because on the mountain for days and days and days, there is no shower and we have to melt the snow for two hours to get just a little bit of a liter of water. And now, I mean, there's running water and there's a restroom and it's above negative 40, I think. So it's just that my experiences on the mountains, it gave me so much perspective towards life. I don't give myself permission to complain anymore. because. Yeah you know, the life we, we, we are living, me and you, we are both living in countries that we have so much opportunities. We are so lucky there. We are very privileged and we really need to use this to benefit the rest of the world. All those developing countries and the people who are living in, 
who don't have any of this. And I think this privilege that we have here, we, it just brings responsibility. If people really start looking deeply into it, this just means responsibility, not in a bad way, in a good way, mm-hmm. because you're so fortunate to have this. Now we need to give back. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that's one of my sources of happiness. I made it one of my sources of happiness because I think that's how human beings should be. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying it as a way of advising, advising people, but this is just the truth about human beings. We are the happiest when we help other people. Yeah. Like imagine us when we were three, four, five years old and somebody fell or somebody needed something. We don't even think about it twice. We just go for help right away. But then we grow older and become kind of like we start valuing things and calculating the benefits, advantages and disadvantages of things. And that's how we start limiting our giving uh, that that is inherently resides inside any human being. So I think it's this is just very natural. And we overthink we become so conscious of ourselves, what it will look like, what we will look like, what mm-hmm. is the situation like, mm, is, it, is it dangerous or not, that we overthink. And yeah. what you just said, you know, as a two, three, four-year-old, you would just head over, give a hug, give your hand yes. and help someone up or whatever the situation is. And at some point that seems to cease almost. And I'm, I don't want to obviously generalize here. I'm sure there are exceptions, yeah. um, but you have a really fair point here. So Sarah, apart from climbing the biggest summits and fundraising money to empower girls, what is it you do to empower these women in those different countries? We spoke about Nepal quite a bit, but you mentioned during our preach at Iran as well. So how do you support them? Uh, right now, I'm, uh, we are developing a leadership program with Nepali girls who are in college level. So these are scholarship students of Empower Nepali Girls, a nonprofit organization that I work at. And we are creating a leadership workshop together for the girls. So they are part of the facilitators and designers and creators of the course. Because most of the leadership courses that are being developed in the world are being developed in the West for the rest of the world. And not all of them will consider the different cultures and culture differences and uh, what works for them. Like, for example, collectivism versus individualism. And what would be some of the characteristics of the course that would work better for for some cultures or not so that's why we are studying together it's a group of students college level students in nepal we are uh, i'm from here the rest of them are in nepal we are on zoom and we are designing a course together for them so that they can take their daily lives their their school their education their work whatever they need some leadership or communication skills that is needed, which is needed in every place of our world right now, in whatever we do. So we are designing a course together so they can take their life to the next level, mm-hmm. so they can improve in all those areas of their life. Fantastic. 
Lovely. You're doing so much amazing work and I want to, which I usually don't do on the podcast, but I want to encourage everyone to help you. How can people find more about you and all your good courses you're working for, but also how can we contribute to your fundraising efforts and so on and so forth? That's lovely. Thank you so much. So I think if your uh, audience visit my website, www.climbyoureverest.org, O-R-G, that way you can see all the things that I'm working on. And there is an email there, Sara at EmpowerNepaliGirls.org. Again, if you have any questions or you want to know more, you can always email me to donate to help us with the students and their education. You can directly visit EmpowerNepaliGirls.org. The cost for one girl to go to school one whole year is $170. So it's very easy to make a difference in Nepal. Like for us, it would be a few of us go out to dinner. That's a whole year of education with books and clothing for one, one girl in Nepal. So easily you can make a difference for that directly visiting Power Nepali Girls website. And you can purchase my book. If you want to know more about my, my, my story, you can watch my TEDx talk. And sh please share this talk with everybody else around you who want you want to inspire them and uh, introduce empower nepali girls to your friends and family so that way more people know about this organization and can help the girls yeah and let's not forget you know the negative things are still happening trafficking of girls being sold into other countries being exploited and so on and so forth it doesn't stop because we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic so help is really needed now and continuously it's going to be a journey of change not a moment um sarah what's the name of the book above the mountain's shadow it's okay. available on amazon and all the profit from the book goes to empower nepali girls to help to educate the girls great title thank you so so much for all your efforts and for your great leadership in the world keep sharing your stories and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's been absolutely amazing to meet you, to learn with you. And I definitely will keep an eye on all your efforts going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you everyone for tuning in, for listening to us. And I really, I can only hope that Sarah gave you tons of inspiration to take action and to support these girls going forward. A little bit of, you know, effort, investment will do so much. So let's help, okay? Thanks so much. You all have a great week. Tune in again next week, obviously, and we speak to you then. Thank you for listening to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe to the show, either on iTunes, Spotify, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com, so that you can hear more about our next episodes. I would also love to hear from you. To discover what topics you'd like to listen to on this podcast, please head over to kathleenmerkel.com forward slash podcast and let me know. You can also find me on Facebook in the Legendary Leaders Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to connecting with you again on our next episode of the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Take care. Bye.